focus this morning is on um, from children. And you kids, I, I love uh, seeing you here. I love seeing you and your smiling faces and, and getting to be with you out for fellowship. And what is clear to me as I see you uh, here is that, at least what I hope is clear, is that you know you're welcome. You know that you're loved here. So we want to talk to you today in this sermon. Because even though I know that you feel welcome, I'd be willing to bet that there's some things that confuse you about what we do here in worship. And if you think about it, let's let's be honest, kids, there's probably some things that confuse the parents too. So we'll let them listen in on our conversation, all right? But you get here and, and, uh, and, and sometimes we're sitting down and sometimes we're standing up. Sometimes we're, we're singing loud and, and sometimes we're quiet and, and we're listening. There's all of this going on and, and it's all worship. But what is worship? What are these things that we're doing and why do we do them? That's what we're going to talk about today. And so we're going to look, today we're going to take a, just a one-week break from, from John's gospel, and we're going to look to the Old Testament and to the, uh, the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 in Isaiah, and, and we're going to see a time when Isaiah worshipped. And we're going to learn in how Isaiah worshipped why we do some of the things that we do. Okay? Now, boys and girls, every time... When I begin to read God's word, I, I, I remind you something. I remind you that this is the inerrant and infallible word of God. When I say that, I'm saying, reminding you, this is true. Every bit of it. And, and God gave it to you today. So let's look to his word. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is the word that you have for us this day. And I pray that every one here, young and old, would hear this message. You are a God who is worthy of our worship. As we worship, would you bless us in Christ? Amen. 
right, it's the kids, I'm talking to you. Then again, we'll let your parents listen in. All right? What is the most incredible thing you have ever seen? Think about it. Maybe it's been, have you been to the zoo and have you seen a lion? And maybe if you got really lucky, you even heard that lion roar. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? For some of you, it's not a lion. Some of you, just the sight of a great big truck is the most incredible thing you've seen. And I know that because I've been around some of you when a big truck comes up and you can't take your eyes off of it. What about, have you ever been to a mountain? You go to the mountain and you, you, you stand there at the edge and you just look out and you see for miles and miles and miles. And the sight is just so beautiful, so awesome that just you got to go tell somebody about it. Well, what I just read to you from Isaiah, Isaiah saw one of those sights. It was a gift that God gave him as, as God and in some way that we don't fully understand, brought Isaiah up into the throne room of heaven. And in that throne room, Isaiah got the gift of seeing King Jesus. That's right, John chapter 12 tells us that this sight that Isaiah saw long before Jesus came to earth was a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ. That means that it was before Jesus became a man, he was still God, and he was still on the throne as king. Isaiah got to see him there, and it was an awesome sight. It was a sight that Isaiah shares with us, so God meant it not just for Isaiah, he meant it for us too. What do you think Isaiah was thinking when he was there and when he saw Jesus? We don't have to wonder. Because he tells us, and he tells us that there in the throne room of heaven that he was in awe over Jesus. You know what awe means? Awe means that we see a sight that is so awesome that nothing else in the world matters at that moment other than seeing and being with that and that person is Jesus. Isaiah saw Jesus and, and he was on his throne because that's where kings sit, right? And kings, they, they wear robes to show that they're a king. But, but Jesus' robe was so long that it just spread everywhere and filled the whole temple. And then there were seraphim. And those seraphim, boys and girls, that, that, those are angels, those angels, they were flying all around him, and they were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They, those angels, they were so in awe of Jesus that they sang so loudly that Isaiah said that when they sang, the, the, the temple shook. That's not just an awesome sight. That's an awesome sound. So Isaiah saw all of it. He saw the holiness of God. And when he saw God, he began to see and understand himself a little more clearly. And he said, I, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here because I now see with my own eyes how holy Jesus is. And when I see how holy he is, I know 
that I am a sinner. Well, Isaiah realized that and he confessed it before the Lord. And then Jesus made him clean. And when Jesus made him clean, he then, he then spoke. He said, you know, we've got this mission that we need someone to go on. Who can we send? And, and Isaiah, after he had seen Jesus and heard the singing and been cleansed of his sin, he, he responded to that word. He said, you can send me. I will go. Now, that's the scene that we just read in Isaiah 6. There's a lot going on there, right? There's a lot of different things happening, but all of it together is worship. And when we see that worship, it helps us understand our worship. There's a lot going on in our service. If you look at our bulletin, you, you, you see a lot of different parts to that service. And sometimes, we've already said it can be confusing. But, boys and girls, can, can we talk about our worship service and maybe understand a little bit more about what's going on? And Isaiah will help us understand. And again, grown-ups, if you must, you can listen in with us. Okay? Um, our worship service starts out with an invocation. Jeff came up this morning and and prayed a prayer of invocation. What does invocation mean? It's a really fancy word, but it means to invoke. Well, there's another really fancy word. So to invoke means to invite, and I think we all understand that word, don't we? We're inviting God to come into worship. Now, why would we do that? Well, because God is the guest of honor at this worship service. We're here to worship God. Now, if you were going to throw a party for one of your friends, if your friend was going to be the guest of honor at the party that you were throwing, you would want to invite them to come and be there, wouldn't you? Well, this is a celebration of God. And so we want to invite Him to be with us. That's what a prayer of invocation is. But here's the thing. God does more than just come and be with us to receive the worship that we are here to offer him. He also is the one who, who helps us in our worship by his spirit. Boys and girls, I know that sometimes that you get distracted and there's a lot going on in the week and you, your mind starts going in different places. Well, when God's here by his spirit, he helps us listen. And as he helps us listen, he blesses us through the worship. So we invite him in. Now, Jeff did that this morning as he opened up our worship service. And then after he invited God to be with us, we all stood up for something called the call to worship. When Isaiah went up to the throne room, somehow, someway, and we don't know how, the Lord called him up into that worship. And we know that God is big and powerful. I mean, he just spoke the word and all of the earth was created. So we know that however God decided that he wanted to call Isaiah up into the throne room, he could have done it. And he didn't tell us that because we didn't need to know. But he called him to come into this service of worship. Y'all understand that. You ever outside playing and, and, and then it's dinner time? And what does 
What do your mom or dad do? They, they yell, hey, come on in. It's time for supper. They're calling you in because they want you to be to join the family, to be a part of this family gathering. And they also know that the most healthy thing for you is to, is to eat healthy food, to come and be fed. They call you in. When I was growing up, my grandparents, they, they had this bell outside of their house. And when they got ready to call us in for dinner, they would, they would yank the chain and that bell would, would clang and, and we would hear it all over the farm and we would come to dinner. Now, God doesn't clang a bell and he doesn't yell, hey, come on in. He tells us in the Bible. He tells us in the Word. So Jeff read a passage from the Bible that was, that was then inviting us us to come and worship now sometimes when we do that we didn't do it today but a lot of times the leader whether it's jeff or michael or me will, will read something in the scripture and then and then we'll respond to it like we'll we'll say you'll see it up on the screen we'll say part of the verse you know what that is that that's us taking part in the worship service it's sort of us kind of getting ready to be a part of this it's us jumping in because the lord's called us to worship because he knows that this is the most healthy thing we can do to be a part of the family. Now, after that, what can you do but sing, right? The angels were singing here. Why? Well, they saw Jesus. They saw Jesus and they sang. We heard their song, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. When they saw that sight, that awesome sight, Jesus on the throne, they had to sing. But what were they singing? Who were they singing about? They were singing about God, right? Because it wouldn't make sense, would it, if, if we saw Jesus in all his glory, why would we sing about ourselves? We sing about God and exalt him. We do the same thing with the songs that we sing. Now, the songs, they still capture and reflect our emotions. You may ask, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that we can sing when we're happy, and it means that we can sing when we're sad. Because when we're happy and when we're sad, Jesus cares for us, loves us, blesses us. Those sad songs, sometimes they're called a lament. That means that we're, we're sort of beside the Lord, crying out, trusting in Him. Sometimes the happy songs, they're, they're more celebrating. Who, we just sang one together about celebrating the love of Jesus. But all of those songs, whether we're happy or sad, we're singing about God and, and who He is. You probably understood all of that. You understood singing as a part of worship. But there's something we do after those first couple of songs that, that maybe you wonder about. Jeff talked about it here. It's called the confession. Remember Isaiah and Isaiah 6? He saw Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, he saw himself more clearly. He knew the reality of his sin and he confessed it. 
How did God respond when Isaiah confessed his sin? God wasn't surprised. He knew it all along. Let me tell you something. It's the same with your parents. When I was some of your ages, remember there was a time when when I, I don't know why I did it. It makes no sense, but it just seemed to be the thing to do at the time. I took a crayon out of the drawer, and I went to the, to the door in the kitchen, and I drew all over the door with the crayon. What do you think my parents did? They came in and said, who did that? They knew exactly who did it. I did it. And they knew it, but they wanted me to come to them and say it. Why would they do that? Why would your parents, even when they know that you were the one who did something, why would they ask you who did it? They're playing mind tricks with you? No. They know that if we will be the one to confess it, then it's better for our relationship, that that means that that we can be together with them. And our relationship is stronger than if they have to be the ones to accuse us. It's the same for God. God knew about Isaiah's sin. He wasn't surprised. And so he forgave Isaiah. But did you hear how he forgave him? He sent an angel down with a burning coal to his mouth. Is that scary? Well, why did he send the coal? It's not how God forgives us, but something was going on there in that story, that worship service. God was teaching Isaiah that though you're a sinner and though I know it, you can't forgive yourself. Something outside of you has to happen. Here's another way that God pointed to the forgiveness of sin in the Old Testament wasn't always with a coal that the scripture tells us atoned for his sin. That means got rid of his guilt and made him whole. In the Old Testament, there was another way. He sacrificed a lamb. The lamb was a, a sheep. And the people would bring that lamb to the priest in the temple. And the priest in the temple would, would actually kill the lamb. And when, it, when they did that, He was saying that that lamb was taking the punishment of God in place of the the sinner who brought the lamb. It was their substitute. So that the sinner was not punished, but the lamb was punished. Now, the lamb that was sacrificed and the coal that the angel touched Isaiah's mouth with, those, those were signs. You know what a sign is. If you drive down the the interstate and you see a sign for trustful, that sign itself is not trustful. It points to trustful. Well, the lamb and the coal, they pointed to Jesus. Because Jesus was the lamb who came to take our place. When Jesus came, he came once. And as he took our place, he took our place for good. So when we confess our sins each and every week, God already knew those sins and he had already forgiven us. But he brings us here to confess so that our relationship can be stronger. 
You know why we do that each and every week? Because there's no place for secrets with God. And he wants us to get rid of the secrets so our relationships can be stronger. We did that, and, and Jeff talked us through that, and we prayed. We do it each and every week, but then Jeff did something else. He had us all stand up. We had to stand up to receive the assurance of grace. You know what that assurance of grace is? It's God's word saying you are already forgiven in Jesus. I love you and you're already forgiven. Be reminded of that. We do that every week in our worship service because every week in our worship service, we want to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we sing again, because how can you help but sing when you've heard that good news? Now, after all of that back and forth, reading scripture and praying and singing, there's another prayer that we pray. It's called the pastoral prayer. Ben came up to pray that prayer today. Do you know why Ben prayed that prayer today and why uh, Dr. George prayed that prayer in the first service? Because they're elders. And, and God has given the church the gift of elders to, to shepherd you, to care for your heart. And one of the ways they do that is they pray. They pray for you a lot. And, and they come up here to pray for you in worship service so that you can be prayed for and so that you can be reminded that God provides elders for you to come and, and be cared for by. And then we do an offering. That offering is... The, the ushers come and, and they collect our, our tithes, they collect our, our money that we give back to the Lord. You know what we're doing when we, when we give our offering to the Lord? We're saying Jesus is enough. We're saying Jesus is enough. And I'm going to trust Jesus with everything I have. And one of the small ways that I can show him that I trust him is I can give him back a, a portion of what he has entrusted to me. You don't have to be a grown-up to do that. It starts in really small ways that we worship the Lord through our giving. And then we come to the sermon. What we're doing now. How many of you like stories? If you like stories, the gospel is a story. It's the story of Jesus Christ. And that story of Jesus Christ and his love for us is throughout the Bible. I've been telling you about Isaiah in the Old Testament and Jesus there in the Old Testament. And when we come each week, we hear different parts of the gospel story about Jesus. It starts out when we read the Bible. Now, we already said what I said before reading, but, but after, after I read the text, what do I say? I say, this is the word of the Lord. And what do you all say? What do you say when I say, this is the word of the Lord? Thanks be to God. That's a way for you to thank God for giving us the word. To participate in this worship. Because you're a part of it. And then after we've heard the word, then we hear the word explained. We hear the word explained. What does it mean and how can we respond? You, you heard that Isaiah responded, send me. Well, we respond to God's word too each and every week. And that's what we do in the sermon and we do it every week so that we can hear this gospel story because it never gets old and we need to be reminded so that we don't forget it boys and girls that's that's what we do and 
in worship and why God has given us worship. Now, here's the thing. We do this so that our hearts can see and worship and love Jesus more. We love what we focus on, don't we? There was an old preacher named Jonathan Edwards. Your parents probably know about Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, he preached this real famous sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And it sounded kind of harsh, but it was one of the ways that he could love people, to tell them about, about God. But Jonathan Edwards preached another sermon. He preached a sermon for kids because he loved kids and he loved Jesus and he wanted the kids to know and love Jesus too. And he said that there is no love so great and so wonderful as that which is in the heart of Christ. He said children ought to love the Lord Jesus Christ above all things in the world. Now, kids, I've been talking to y'all a lot. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to talk one more time to your parents. I'm going to read something to them from a book. And then I'm going to explain it to you, okay? So give me just a second. Parents, there's a... There's a book that has blessed my heart, and my wife reminded me of something in this book here recently. It's a book called Gentle and Lowly that speaks to the heart of God. And There's a chapter in this book that speaks about that sermon that Jonathan Edwards preached, and more importantly, about the love of Jesus. And, and I wanted to share it with you because it talks about our role as the grown-ups in the church, whether we are parents or not. It talks about our role to point the children to Jesus. Let me read this. It'll take about two minutes. It's a, I don't usually do this. I don't read and I don't read a big passage, but I'm going to do that for a second. And then kids, I'm going to explain to you what I'm reading. All right? You hang with me? He writes, what is it that children whom we, what is it that the children whom we greet in the hallways of our church need? What do they need most deeply? Yes, they need friends and encouragement and academic support and good square meals. But might it be that the truest need, the thing that will sustain and oxygenate them when all these other vital needs go unmet, is a sense of the attractiveness of who Jesus is for them, how he actually feels about them. With our own kids, if we are parents, what's our job? That question could be answered with a hundred valid responses, but at the center, our job is to show our kids that even our best love is a shadow of a greater love put a sharper edge on it to make the tender heart of Christ irresistible and unforgettable. Our goal, listen to this, our goal is that our kids would leave the house at age 18 and be unable to live the rest of their lives believing that their sins and sufferings repel Christ. This is perhaps the greatest gift that my own dad gave me. He taught my siblings and me sound doctrine as we were growing up, to be sure, which is itself a sore neglect across evangelical family life today. But there's something he has shown me that runs even deeper than truth about God, and that is the heart of God, proven in Christ, the friend of sinners. Dad made that part beautiful to me. He didn't crowbar me into that. He drew me in. We, too, have the privilege of finding creative ways of drawing the kids all around us to the heart of Jesus. His desire to draw near to sinners and sufferers is not only doctrinally true, but aesthetically attractive. 
All right, kids, there were some big words there that I hope your parents heard, but here's what they mean. Jesus is holy, holy, holy. But Jesus is also beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And Jesus is also loving, loving, loving. And his heart for you never changes. In this sermon, we've talked about how we worship. We've talked about the different elements of our worship, but this is why we worship. Because our God is worthy. Our God is holy. Our God is truth. Our God is beautiful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are majestic. You're high and lifted up. And I pray for each of us here today that we would live with you high and lifted up. That we would live lives of intimate, passionate, celebratory worship because you are worthy and because we are yours. In this we pray in Christ's name.